Welcome to 2021, everybody. I think we're off to a pretty good start, leaving 2020 behind. We have already gotten some people to storm the Capitol building, uh, something that hasn't been done since, I think, 1814. The British got it that time, so I think we're off to a roaring start to 2021. My name is Rob Christian. We are joined by... Bo Parker, Matt Reed, Auburn Matt, and Alex Christian. Alex possibly might have the COVID right now. We're about to find out probably tomorrow. Isn't that right, Alex? Yeah, tomorrow or Saturday. So please excuse me if I just go dark for a minute. That means I'm hacking up a lung. Um, Yeah, roaring start to 2021. Uh, Ended up getting the cocoa day two. Uh, so hoping that this is, uh, this is short lived. How's everybody else feeling for the new year? Any good new year's resolutions? Uh, considering what's going on in the news, I think I should just go to bed and wake me up when it's 2020. So wake me up when September ends. Just wake me up when 2022 starts. Wake me up when the 2020s end. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good one. Oh, I'm old. I'll be dead by then. Come on. <laughs> uh, the Tales from the Tailgate crew is is off to a very good start. It seems like, Bo, very excited to see you and probably do an in-person show from from a listener's house next week, or uh, not next week, but the week after. If anyone else out there would like us to do a show from your living room, just let us know. and. There's not even a raffle. You just have to provide some food and a little beer. Yeah, four walls, some beer, and some food, and we will we will come to your house and talk about sports that you probably don't watch. But hey, pickleball tournaments are all the rage right now. I think I I think I talked to Auburn Matt yesterday when we postponed recording for for Alex's illness, and I think you said that you know the only sport that you didn't care about was probably women's basketball and field hockey so yeah women's field hockey i watched i remember i watched that one time on the big 10 network and i was like nope i mean at least beach volleyball they're like that's something to look at but wasn't rather wasn't like the best talent so oh well yeah they wear those skirts and they beat each other with sticks what's not to like yeah i don't know i just wasn't feeling that bad day i guess but yeah, I watch I watch most most all kind of college sports. I watch you know, can't wait for the you know the Frozen Four this year. Um, I'll even watch curling. I can't wait for the Olympics. So we'll see what happens. I love curling. Curling is my favorite Olympics. It's just a bunch of dudes that look like dads, and they just look like they stumbled into the arena. I was like, well, we're here, so we might as well play something. Yeah, it's just bocce ball on ice. It's awesome. Speaking of sports on ice. Uh, Congrats, Team USA, on winning World Junior Hockey, beating Canada this week. Uh, I think we're three and one now all time in World Finals against Canada. Uh, somebody would have to fact check me on that, but I, I think that's what I saw. Good for us. Screw you, Canada. It's just America's hat. Nobody cares. <laughs> Sorry to any of America's still number one in youth hockey. Damn right. Everybody's everybody's <laughs> got to be doing something. So we'll we'll pass on that for a little bit, and we'll take a look at bowl season really wrapping up uh, for us now. Uh, only the college football championship game left to go um, between Alabama and Ohio State. 
Think of that as you will. <laughs> yeah, so just the one game left uh, for the college football playoff. We take a look at the bowl records. SEC, while they did have two losses, going to take the uh, crown uh, in the uh, bowl challenge for conference record. They're 6-2. and two. The Big 12 did go 5-0, and oh, but SEC gets that extra win. They go 6-2. and two. Guys, I, I guess, Bo, you kind of have a rooting interest in the ACC this year at 0-6 mark for the ACC, helped out by Notre Dame. That's a rough one. Yeah, that's absolutely brutal, but I've been saying the Pac-12 is a second-tier Power 5 conference all year. Man, the ACC is the one that looks second-tier. The only other conference that went 0-6 this year is Conference USA. Uh, but frankly, I think the ACC in some of their games looks maybe worse. Uh, it's not a good look, to say the least. Yeah, I saw the I saw the Clemson game, and I saw the I actually saw a lot of the Kentucky NC State game. I know we last week we were saying that we really didn't care about it. Um, uh, after watching some of it, I know why. Leading up into the Ole Miss game, that was miserable, and then Kentucky actually pulled it out. Uh, otherwise, uh, how about that Oklahoma game uh, against Florida in the Cotton Bowl, 55-20? to 20. I think I was the only one here who called that one right. Florida got worked. I know Florida was without, what, three of their best offensive players and some guys out, I think, on the defensive line and some of their linebackers out, but that was uh, – I don't know, Alex, you called me during that game, and you were like, whoa. Yeah, that – you know, that was a whooping, a beating, and a spanking rolled into one. <laughs> there ain't nothing else to say about that. You know, forget about how many offensive weapons Florida was missing. They just came out with absolutely no desire to be there, and it showed. Oklahoma wanted to show out, and they did. Good for those guys. Other than that, we got the Armed Forces Bowl. Mississippi State ended up beating Tulsa 28-26. to uh, the Peach Bowl was actually pretty pretty interesting with the uh, Georgia field goal to take the win 24-21. I think it ended up with like two seconds left on the clock when they kicked that. Rough one for the Auburn guys over here. Alex, Auburn, Matt, I think you said both of you didn't even watch the game. Uh, Auburn lost to Northwestern 35-19. Yeah, I mean, ever since the postseason for Auburn, except for like in the last like almost 10 years, ever since the national championship, it's been like, okay, the Birmingham bowl, they won and the music city bowl, which Auburn should have been a 10 win, 10 win team that year, but then lost to Tennessee. It's just been like a whooping every single bowl postseason. I don't understand why it must've been a gust thing. Can't get his guys ready on the road for an away game or for a neutral side game. unless you're playing like in some kickoff, I just, I don't get it. It's really weird. Hopefully with that fourth and one mentality he's been talking about. And you all just got Derek Mason today. I didn't know that until probably about 30 minutes before we came on here. Um, it was announced a few hours ago, but Derek Mason's the new defensive coordinator at Auburn uh, for Brian. Yeah, Carson. I like that one. I don't like the Mike Bobo one. Yeah, the Mike Bobo one's a little suspect for me, but maybe maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. But for Wait, me, every you time, Mike Bobo? Yeah, you hired Mike what? He hired Mike Bobo? Yeah, they hired Mike Bobo. I'm a big fan of Mike Bobo. He used to be, man, his name was at the top of everything for a year or two, and then he went out to, what, Colorado State and kind of fell apart out there. But 
he was a very big name for a while. So I don't know. Let's see how. In his, in his first year, I think he went eight and four out at Colorado State, got him a new facility, and then he lost uh, a guy who had led the league or led the nation in running, I believe, that year. Uh, and that they just fell off a cliff, of which there are many in Colorado. Uh, so it wasn't uh, wasn't that big of a surprise. But we'll see how he um, transitions over to Auburn. Love the geography joke in there. Yeah, no, that's what I got to do. And it's hey, it's a great hire for Brian Harson in the sense of recruiting. Um, Bobo's got ties, and um, so does Tarek Mason throughout the South. Two big things that you know Harson just doesn't have right now. So good hires there, and my geography minor coming into play. I think the, the he hired a new strength training coach that he had from Boise. That that usually comes with the head coach as well. But I think they were saying there was suspect, you know, because he came from the Mountain West. How is he going to be able to recruit in the Southeast? Because a lot of people view the South as its own entity compared to the country, which I guess with the staff, it's okay. I sort of wonder why Derek Mason failed at Vanderbilt. Probably because it's just Vanderbilt and they don't really care about football. They just care about basketball and baseball. I don't know. Like I say every week, screw Vandy. You're not going to win there. And I hate them. Like uh, I mentioned it just a few minutes ago, the Gator Bowl, Kentucky beat uh, NC State 23-21. Game that very important for Bo and I, uh, what seems like great momentum for the Ole Miss program. Ole Miss beat number 11 Indiana in the Outback Bowl 26-20. I ended up not going to the game. Probably something that I should have looked into, you know, before really trying to get a ticket, but because of the COVID issues, they were only selling tickets in pairs to four tickets all at once. You couldn't buy a single ticket. There was one single ticket between Ticketmaster, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, StubHub, all those places, and it was like a $350 club seat. Now, I could have actually, I drove back to the east coast of Florida early in the morning before the game so I could watch it at home, and I could have actually kept going down to Miami and gone to the Orange Bowl and paid less than half the price that it would have been for a better game for A&M to beat UNC 41-27 to than I could have to stick around in that Outback Bowl, which I thought was a little bit ridiculous. I would much rather go to the Orange Bowl anyway, but that's a good lead-in. A&M beat uh, UNC. People are saying A&M, you know, very, you know, good reasoning that they should have been in the playoff. And then another interesting one, I think we actually covered it last week, that was the Cure Bowl, Liberty beat Coastal Carolina, great overtime game. But then, guys, on to the, onto the playoff games. But we'll go, we'll go with you first, that Alabama-Notre Dame game. Bama wins. They did not cover. 31-14, to Bama win. Yeah, I mean, started right from the kickoff, too, and I think they just never turned back. I think uh, Notre Dame actually played better than the last time they played Bama in a bowl game. Uh, they, they made it 10 minutes and a few seconds, right into the, into the game before they were down 14. Oh, last time it only took them eight minutes. So, you know, they're getting better slowly, but surely slowly, but surely maybe you have the exact stat, but it, this game just went exactly as everybody expected. I think the much more interesting one is the one we're probably about to talk about Ohio state Clemson. Uh, but, before we go to it, do y'all have any other thoughts on Alabama-Notre Dame? I don't think we really learned anything in it, to be perfectly honest. 
I think maybe if, uh, Harris earns the Heisman. I think if Bama wanted to score more, I'm sorry. I mean, they easily could have. But I'm. You mentioned the last time that Notre Dame played Bama in a bowl game. I don't think he could have played worse than they did in that game. That was what 2012, Alex. I'm sorry. Which game was that? The Bama Notre Dame National Championship in Miami. I think that was 2012. Yeah, that was 2012, and I think that was what 31 to three or 41 to three or 41 nothing maybe final. Yeah, definitely Notre Dame is on the upswing. And I think the only reason Alabama did not cover in this game is that they pulled the throttle back. They didn't want to show anything that they didn't have to. They didn't want to get guys hurt. It made a ton of sense. Why would you risk anything and give what we all thought was going to be Clemson, but ended up, you know, Ohio State. Wow. Um, Don't give those guys any additional information or any additional information or motivation. Uh, We're looking at you, Kristen Saban. Uh, Don't give them anything else because this team, they are coming and they showed that against Clemson. They had to make a statement and they did. Yeah. Kristen Saban was not happy. They had like 14 guys out for the Northwestern game too. So I was thinking, Oh, they're going to get, they might get killed by T law. And then they just put a whooping on them, just like ran them over with a steamroller. It was awful watching it for like from a Clemson standpoint, it was awful watching it, but whatever. <laughs> at least, at least Trevor Lawrence is still going number one to the Jags, right? Yep, he did what officially declare. Sorry, Bo. Maybe next year. <laughs> hey, Bo, but at least now we have final confirmation that Adam Gase did in fact get fired last week. He had been told he was fired, but he said no. That nobody's told me that, but the media was reporting it. Now it's official. Um, hey, congrats, buddy. Getting I mean, uh, Dan Mullen to the Jets now, right? That was getting yeah. some traction for a while. Well, they just interviewed Marvin Lewis this afternoon, and if that's the case, Bo, just dig yourself a hole and bury yourself with it. <laughs> it that's can't be worse. as bad as the Adam Gase years, but it it could be a continuation, perhaps. Uh, but but look, you you talked about Ohio State. That's where we were at. They absolutely routed Clemson. I'm seeing the Alabama spread against Ohio State. They're favored by seven and a half. Do you think that's the right spread? Frankly, uh, as you said, Alabama didn't look like they put everything out there. Alabama's offense repeatedly throughout that game against Notre Dame. It didn't seem to matter. Uh, If Notre Dame stuffed the box, it left somebody who's just a freak athlete wide open for Mac Jones to just lob it over to. If they they had a couple run pass options in that game against Notre Dame where they could have run or passed and probably gotten 10 to 20 yards. As good as Ohio State played against Clemson, do you think they actually have a shot against Alabama this week? Personally, I do. Um, they've got a puncher's chance. The thing with this game and the way I see it, and it's the same way that I saw it, Uh, going into it, if it was Clemson. This game is either going to be an Alabama blowout where they pull away in the second half or they're going to lose it outright. So I I don't think this one is within the margin. I don't think Ohio State covers but still loses. I think if Ohio State is going to beat the seven and a half, they're going to win it outright. That said, I'm taking Bama especially if Waddle comes back and he's even at 
know, that's too much. And you've got the Heisman winner in Devontae Smith. Mac Jones is the most efficient quarterback we've seen, highest QBR in history. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how Ohio State's defense can keep up with that, but offensively their speed matches up beautifully against Alabama's defense, as was you know perfectly shown by Ole Miss early in the year using speed in the slot and on the outside to really you know go after because if it's not Pat Sertan, there's not a lot in that secondary that really scares you for Alabama like we've seen in past years. That's why they've got a puncher's chance here. Yeah, you mentioned- I like that take of take uh, take Alabama against the spread or take Ohio State. Uh, money line but um to me i mean like i'm seeing i'm seeing these stories of jalen waddle maybe coming back and stuff like that and that at least puts me over the edge on taking Bama. i think it could be you know a big part i haven't heard a whole lot this week about what justin field's health is like if he's still banged up but that could that could definitely come in to play but Devonte smith heisman winner first wide receiver to win since i've been alive Oh, you two. Um, Desmond Howard, right? 91, and it was Desmond Howard. Before that, it was Tim Brown, pretty sure. I think there's there's only been four wide receivers to ever win it, and it was Tim Brown, Desmond Howard, Devontae Smith now, and then I think some guy from, like, Nebraska in 1972. I don't know his name, but I think that was the year. Um, so way back, Devontae Smith, fourth wide receiver ever to win the Heisman. And then we had the final... Uh, Heisman voting in front of us, Devontae Smith, of course, first, Lawrence, second, Mac Jones, third, Kyle Trask, fourth, man, did Kyle Trask look bad in that bowl game, and then uh, Najee Harris um, in fifth, and I, I want to say, Alex, maybe you probably know better than I would the last time uh, school had two Heisman finalists in the top five, was it, was it Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart? I think it had to be. But to yeah. have three in the top five, I don't know if that's ever happened. I mean, that's the type of, like, you're playing, like, NCAA football 06, like, way back in the day. Maybe you could pull that off, but, yeah. I, I no, Lendale White might have been up there in that top five or six range, too, uh, in that Reggie Bush year. Yeah, I forgot about but, him. Yeah, that, that was a, a three-headed monster. Let's be clear about something else here, though. At the start of this year, Devontae Smith wasn't even the best wide receiver, the best wide receiver at Alabama. Well, it's very like true. Mark Ingram won a Heisman at Alabama without being the best running back on his team. It was Trent Richardson. We talked about that before, too. So it's something that happens at Bama. Really, other than that, I mean, we're looking forward to – Bama, Ohio State, but um, that is that is it, everybody, for the college season. After that, I don't know, I don't know what we'll do after that. We might actually have to tell tales from the tailgate. I know, uh, I know, Matt's there, but we uh, Matt wants that, and we just have the NFL going, uh, NBA, a little bit, uh, talk some college hoops. Oh, by the way, uh, just because I'm mentioning college hoops, Ole Miss beat Auburn last night in college basketball. Stayed out a little bit. 9 p.m. start Eastern was not too happy with that, but Auburn historically struggles against Ole Miss in basketball. I don't know, you know too much about it right now or go too much in depth. I also watched Duke kind of get pushed around, but I think it was like Boston College. So Duke's terrible. 
Kentucky's terrible. I don't think UNC's doing too hot. Ole Miss is hanging on in the SEC. Auburn really didn't anticipate being that good this year. Impose their own postseason ban, but we'll we'll get to college basketball probably starting next week. But you know, other than that, we have the NFL playoffs starting wild card round. Alex, I know this is your this is your go to. What do you think so far? I think the right teams are in, uh, especially after the Dolphins debacle in Buffalo. It proved that this was not you know a playoff ready team. Uh, it was a perfect moment for Tua to shine. He didn't. And a big factor of that is the Chan Gailey offense being very unimaginative with him at the helm. And now Chan Gailey is gone. You know, we saw him resign this week and you know it's no big surprise there. Um, the biggest surprise to me in wildcard weekend and Bo, you know, you've you have to have been hearing a lot of stuff where you are about the Eagles tank job and pulling, putting in Nate Sudfeld only down a field goal uh, against the Giants there, which catapults the Washington football team into the playoffs. Miles Sanders came out on radio saying that no player was on board with that. Obviously, Doug Peterson's in this for the long haul, but what are you hearing around Philly and the just general public perception of what happened there. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of frustration obviously, but it's, it's something to me that I think it's clearly a mistake. You play to win the games in this league. And even if it's about getting guys snaps, getting guys reps, have you really seen not enough of Sudfeld and you've seen enough of Jalen Hurts? to make the decisions you need to build a winning franchise into the future? I think the answer is clearly no. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the the biggest thing, though, like I was actually up in New York last week, and so I wasn't down chatting with the Philly locals, but up in New York, everybody is obviously more frustrated than anywhere in the country, all these Giants fans. I do have one thing to say to Giants fans, and that's, you can't really complain if you only win six games in the NFL. Uh, ultimately, like it's their own damn fault for missing the playoffs. So, uh, you know, as far as it goes, is it that bad? I don't think it's that bad. A lot of teams rest their guys week 17. A lot of teams do stuff like that. I do think it was ultimately a mistake. You play to win the game and the guy who needs refs is Jalen Hurts. But well, yeah, maybe that's a little yeah. too nuanced. It's not a good podcast take, perhaps. No, they just wanted the higher draft picks, three picks higher in each round going forward, and you screw over, you know, another conference rival. But you're losing that locker room when you do that. And whether the order came from on high, whether it was the ownership or GM, whoever it was, I don't think it was Peterson. You know, I. I think that came from above Mm -hmm. and how he disseminates that information and what starts leaking out about that. This story is going to have legs because the players who are trying to leave, they are, you're going to see a mass exodus of people out of Philly for this. And that team that was a Super Bowl team a few years ago, you may have like three dudes left from that roster by the end of next year. That's a huge prediction on my part. But I think you're going to see everybody just say, screw you guys, get me out of here, 
I don't care what you get. I'll go play for peanuts in Cleveland, you know, as opposed to being here. Hey, yeah, but I mean, and it's a good point you bring up about the the draft pick just moving up in the draft pick. That's clearly worth something in the NFL. It's worth a lot generally in the NFL. But what are they ultimately going to do with that draft pick? Uh, they could have had an opportunity to test Jalen Hurts another game, and even with that albatross contract and having just taken Hurts in the second round last year, if they decide he's not the right option, still have a chance in the top half of the draft either way to take another quarterback, probably what I'm seeing projected mostly is taking a wide receiver. Uh, there's plenty of wide receivers available too. I mean, um, but probably Devonta Smith falls to them at either spot. I agree with that. Not worth it. Yeah. They're going to get their pick of either Waddle or Smith at that, at that position there. So I, I don't know. Yeah, but really looking, you know, wrong. second, third, fourth round, how much is that draft capital? You know, when you look at the point sheet, when you come to trades on draft day and leading up, that's going to be where this where this whole tank job is really going to – you're going to see what they got for losing that game. They should have hired Peterson in uh, New York for the Jets. <laughs> they should have. They should have. He would have definitely lost that – he would have lost those games. Oh yeah. Hey, Marvin Lewis was consistently nine and seven, and Cincinnati without a lot of help. He'll probably have less if he were to go to the Jets. He'd probably have less help than he did in Cincinnati. But I don't know. It would have taken it would have taken him like four years under Adam Gase to get to nine wins. So I don't know. Maybe if he could get to like six or something like that, hypothetically, maybe that that should be a success for the Jets. But we will see if if you could pick one person. We may have already asked this. If you could pick one coach, uh, and I'm looking for you know a more humorous answer. If you could pick one NFL coach to go coach the Jets, who would it be? And we can't pick Adam Gase again because that would be my pick. That you fire him and then you have to rehire him because no one will take the job. Can I bring back Rex Ryan? That was the greatest season of Hard Knocks ever. Yes, you can bring back Rex Ryan. <laughs> just just for the training camp, and then we'll let somebody else take over. I would maybe like Bob to see... Wiley. Oh, God. <laughs> I would maybe Big like to see... Bob Wiley. Bill Parcells, just because he would get into, like, fist fights with the ownership. I was going to say maybe Dave Wonstadt. Well, that would just be sad. Yeah, to bring him out of mothballs. I think, yeah, I think he took the Dolphins to the playoffs one year. It might have been like his first I, year. I think, I think two years. Yeah, you know, hey, he took us to the playoffs with Jay Fiedler. Yeah, that was a that was a rough time to be a Dolphins fan, and it only got worse for a few more years. I missed that. those years. They were they were interesting. But what about the Browns? Speaking of not being in the playoffs for a while, I think it's the first time since two thousand or two thousand two that the two yeah. That the Browns have made it. Yeah, deservedly so. Yeah, that's a good football team, even though they barely beat a Pittsburgh team that was resting everybody. Um, Kevin Stefanski has to be either one or two in the coach of the year uh, voting here. You know, Brian Flores has got to be in that conversation too. But to me, the answer is Stefanski. Uh, great job by the Browns. They've got a road grading offensive line a two-headed monster in the backfield. 
you've got Jarvis. If OBJ is ever really healthy, you've got enough weapons, and you just kind of take the ball out of Baker's hands and let him beat Baker um, a few times a game. Don't let him throw it 40. Make him throw it 18. And you've got a team that can beat anybody. They are as explosive as any team in the AFC right now. I couldn't agree with that more. I don't think they are able to repeat uh, this week against the Steelers. But that being said, I mean, they certainly, to me, left a lot out on the table against the Steelers too. So it's certainly possible. The game plan was a little weird to me. They got a lead early and they kept it. But at the same time, they still only gave Nick Chubb 14 carries. I'm definitely looking for them to get back to their bread and butter doing what they know how to do, which is, you know, give Chubb and Hunt 15 to 20 carries each. But if they do that, maybe they can beat the Steelers next week. Uh, But I'm not expecting it. No, and I don't think anybody's expecting it, considering that the facility's been shut down for the last three days. Stefanski is missing the game. uh, And he might, if they do beat the Steelers, he's probably going to miss the next game um, due to COVID. Um, T's and P's out to him. I know this thing sucks. But, you know, Alex Van Pelt comes in to call the plays. He's been in the booth all year. I don't think there's a big drop-off in play calling here. So it'll be that's one of the most interesting games to me um, going forward this week. And that is going to be that's going to be a dogfight. Yeah, AFC North matchup, usually not, you know, my biggest cup of tea. But that I think you're right. That's probably the game that I'm most interested in keeping up with um, this weekend. And yeah, as we get into the to the matchups and what we find, what everyone thinks is the best matchups for this weekend, I do want to say though because I think it's you know an awesome stat that I don't know how someone actually looked back and remembered this, but if the Chiefs win that game, they would only be the second team in history, the first team ever to do it in the AFC to host three consecutive conference championship games. Do any of you know who did it on the NFC side? It was in the 2000s. That would be the Philadelphia Eagles, the Donovan McNabb years. They went to four straight, and uh, I think they only went to one Super Bowl, and they lost it. So, Yeah, they lost to New England in that one. That was like 04. But there is another another point to that. Who was the coach of that Eagles team, of those Eagles teams? The Kool-Aid man himself, Andy Reid. Yeah. Yeah, so it has the potential to happen for the second time in NFL history, and Andy Reid would be the coach for both of them. So I think that says something right there. But we'll take a look at the you know matchups across the board. We get Saturday and Sunday NFL playoff football. It's going to be a great weekend. We got Colts, Bills, Rams, Seahawks, and Bucks football team on Saturday. Any of those games stick out for you? I I actually enjoy watching the Bills, so I want to say that, but I'm really going to say you know Rams, Seahawks is probably the one that I'm going to focus the most on. I mean, on paper, that's definitely the best matchup. But to me, I'm going to be watching this Washington-Tampa Bay game. That is my sleeper pick of the week, my wild card upset. 
I actually think Washington football team, they've got a serious defense, like a serious defense. Their offense is the problem. Uh, but if their offense doesn't make a lot of mistakes and their defense plays really well, uh, and, you know, Tom, he's had an incredible year. Uh, we're going to get to, you know, biggest surprises of 2020 later, but Tom has had a, an awesome year. But he's capable of having a down game at this point in his career. He's done that a couple times this season. If he has a down game against this defense, Washington doesn't make too many mistakes. They could upset. Uh, so that's the game I'm going to be watching. Wouldn't that be something? The football team struggling to get back to 500 in the playoffs. They'd have to win two games <laughs> to do it to get be nine and nine. But uh, and I love watching Antonio Gibson have have good days. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Antonio Gibson. On the Sunday side of things, Ravens, Titans, I really don't want to watch that game. Bears, Saints, I will be very locked in on that. And then Browns, Steelers as the late game to round out the night. I think for a lot of people, that Bucks washington game, though, it's probably the least interesting game for them. And, of course, they give it to us as a night game on the Saturday night. That's the, you know, that's the night that I'll actually stay up and watch, like, night NFL football, because during Sunday night football or Monday night football, I'll be honest, I'm falling asleep during that no matter what. Um, but Brown-Steelers round out the night on Sunday. I think that's going to be a great game, going to be very locked in on that. But what does everyone think? Alex, what do you think about the Sunday games? Sunday games for me, it's Titans-Ravens, um, and it's not even close. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the two most explosive running games in all of football, Ravens just came off 400 and some yards on the ground against Tractor Cito uh, and Derrick Henry. That game right there, I think the Ravens get them. I, I think there are too many question marks with Tennessee. And the Ravens are rolling right now. I think that's going to be the closest game outside of maybe Bill's Colts of the entire weekend. Those two stick out to me the most. Baltimore three and a half point favorites on that. I yeah, I like that. I think you're right. I think the Ravens get them. I haven't been a believer in the Titans all year. I think I've been pretty vocal about that. On the Saints side of things, I just saw this today. What do you think about uh, apparently it was Sean Payton's idea a couple weeks ago that he wanted to have people in the Superdome for the playoffs? So he was trying to convince uh, the city to let. 50,000 Saints fans quarantine to create a scientifically safe Superdome so they could pack it out for a playoff advantage. I love that idea. And you know Saints fans would do it. It's like, yeah, you got to sit inside for 14 days or 10 days, whatever it is now, but then you get to go root on the Saints in the Dome. I think it would be worth it. As a Saints fan, I would do something like that. Oh, my God, yeah. Sign me up. I mean, obviously I wouldn't have made it, but hey. Yeah, you know, I would be all about it. Was was that a serious proposal? I think the Barstool sports guys have been proposing that for the Bills all year. Are they? Maybe maybe that's where he got it. I don't know. I think the city promptly told Sean Payton no, but you've got to you've got to love the effort. I I respect it. I think Sean Payton's awesome. Sounds like it's uh, out of Dabo Sweeney's playbook, maybe. Yeah, I can see Dan Rowland like that. Yeah, it 
pretty much exactly out of Dan Mullins, except without the quarantine. <laughs> Dan Mullins is like, screw it, let's go. But he's got he's got some bigger issues now. Yeah, there's there's some problems, Danner. Bo, going off of your notes here, um, is there? A, I think we've covered you know our best matchups of the weekend. Is there one where you just see it getting out of hand immediately? I mean, I guess this Bills Colts game probably has the most potential for that, uh, most obvious potential for that. This Bills offense is just on another level lately. Um, I think, you know, they're competitive with the Chiefs as the best offense in the AFC the last few weeks. Like they, the Colts have a great defense, so maybe not. But I think by the second half, the Bills start to run away with it. Uh, I could definitely see that game getting out of hand. Saints Bears could as well. Um, but you know, I, I think there's less potential for that. I know Kamara is probably out with COVID. Uh, they're a little banged up. Michael Thomas might be coming back this week, but even if he comes back, will he be at 100%? So less potential in that one. Yeah, see, I'm completely enthralled by the Bills-Colts game because I think it's going to be close. I I would love to see that Colts defense give the Bills, oh, a run for their money and see how Phillip Rivers can lose a playoff game in a new (laughs) and exciting way again in a close one where they will lose to a Rodrigo Blankenship field goal as, uh, you know, or like Rodrigo Blankenship will miss a field goal or something uh, at the very end and the Bills will sneak through. Um, to me, the most lopsided game is the entire weekend in the NFC. Not one of these games is going to be within double digits. The Bucks are going to demolish Washington the Rams are starting some dude from the uh, XFL or the AAF uh, who had a very, very bad win last week. And the Saints are going to steamroll the Bears. None of those games are close. Pay all of your attention to the AFC this weekend. No, I agree. I agree with that. Saints spread, Saints-Bears, that's the biggest spread of the weekend at 10. I think the second biggest one is the Bucks and Washington at at eight, um, but no, I can I can definitely see that uh, going your way, Alex. So that's the matchups in the NFL for this week. It's all dwindling down. Guys don't have as many things to go over. Uh, so let's just you know take a shot and just say what would your Super Bowl matchup be? Let's take it right before the playoffs start. See how that turns out towards the end. I think I'm taking, I'm taking, I think, Bills, Saints. I think Chiefs, Bills, frankly, Chiefs, Bills, Titans, Ravens. I could see any of those teams in the AFC making the Super Bowl. Those are all stout teams, good teams. On the NFC side, it's just weak to me. And let me, let me tell you why I don't have the Packers in there as the one seed, they may have the MVP quarterback. He may be 45 touchdown guy uh, against what was it? Five interceptions all year. But let me throw just a couple stats at you this year. They played four games against teams better than 500 this year. They're two and two in those games. Rogers of his interceptions, one came in his 12 games against 500 or worse teams Four against teams better than 500. There you go. He's 22nd in the league 
in depth of target, and he's got the third lowest pressure percentage in the league this year. So to me, it's just in a NFC that's mostly weak. I think this Saints team will run away with the conference uh, this playoff. Uh, I'm not even sure the Packers win their first playoff game. They're playing against serious competition now. They're playing against good teams now. They've played such a weak schedule, and I just don't think they'll uh, be able to get it done. And then in the Super Bowl, give me uh, whoever the AFC representative is. I could see that. Um, but there's something about the road to the Super Bowl and the NFC having to go through Lambeau Field. That is the ultimate X factor when it comes to if the game is four degrees at kickoff, how are the Saints going to fare in that? How is Tom Brady going to fare in that if they somehow make it through? I don't like the Seahawks. I don't like the Rams. The Bears are going to get smoked. So it's going to come down to, I think, Packers, Saints, or Packers, and uh, or you know the winner of Saints and Bucks. That, to me, is who's going to get out of that. Um, on the other side, it's going to end up Chiefs-Bills. I, I think they are on a collision course right now, and the Bills look a lot like the Eagles did a couple years ago. They are loose. They are playing with fire right now. I think they've caught lightning. I, I'm i kind of with you, Bo. I kind of like the Bills. It's hard to bet against the Chiefs until somebody knocks them off. If there's a team built to do it, it is the Buffalo Bills. So I'll go out on a limb, and I'll stick with you, and I'll say the Bills, I'll say Bills, Packers, Pack win. Oh, man. I am so confident in my anti-Packers bet. We're going to have to figure out some money to put on that one. All right. <laughs> I'll take I'll take Bills Bills Saints. Um, there's some great stats that you had, Bo. Digging deep, KC has played a lot of games within seven points, and it's just a matter of time before you know someone someone can get them. And then this really is the last shot for New Orleans for a while, I think. And you know they may they may be able to slip by Green Bay. I hope. Uh, I would have loved to put Seattle up there, but Seattle can't play defense. But would definitely love to see Russell Wilson and DK get to play in the Super Bowl, but that's not going to happen. So give me Bills and give me the Saints. That would be a pretty fun Super Bowl. Good pick. Yeah, the fact that three of us have the Bills mean that they're losing in round one. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even know they were playing today. But... I guess I'll, I'll take a hot take. I'm going to take Chiefs versus Bucks. Tom Brady wins his seventh ring and retires and walks off into the sunset. That's what I'm going to say. No team has ever won a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Is Tom Brady the guy? We talked about it at the beginning of the year. He yeah, got that hit no. factor. No. He's got, he got that hit factor, though. I don't know. I think, I, think he, I think he can do it. Just had a notification come across. My phone that Deshaun Watson is unhappy with the Texans. I think they're a little bit late reporting on that one, but yeah, as of today, as of today, um, there was some talk about Deshaun Watson possibly going to replace Drew Brees. um, Oh my God! Please let that happen. And you know what? Possible trades? Would you trade away Michael Thomas and a draft pick to the Texans if you could get Deshaun Watson? Yes. Well, even if they do that, even if you move Michael Thomas's contract, there's no way the Saints are in salary cap hell. 
they're like 40 some million over the cap at the end of this year. And that's once Drew Brees' contract goes away. I think right now they're 70 some million. There's no chance that they're going to be able to restructure and make that deal. As a Saints fan, I would love to see it, but I, I, I just don't see how they can make the money work without totally, you know, just decimating that roster. And they can, they can still win the division with Taysom or even Jameis or draft, move up in the draft and get a guy like Zach Wilson. You know, do something like that. Um, although I think Trey Lance would be a better fit. Um, that to me makes more sense than going after, you know, Deshaun's contract, which year over year is slightly higher than Patrick Mahomes, just over a shorter time span. This is actually a perfect segue to a, a new segment I wanted to, to try this week. It's 2021. I wanted to talk about New Year's resolutions. Talk about first, go over our biggest surprises from 2020. What really surprised you? And then we'll get into to what we're hoping to see in 2021. Uh, but specifically, the reason I think this is such a good segue is my biggest surprise for 2020. Uh, first of all, I, I had at the start of the year, I was so bearish on Tom Brady and I was so bullish on Bill Belichick. And uh, it's still surreal to me that Tom Brady is a Buccaneer, but even more so that Tom Brady has uh, just succeeded beyond our wildest expectations. Matt, you just talked about them, you know, uh, being the first team to win a Super Bowl in their home stadium. But the question that that leaves me with is, what is Bill's plan for the future in New England? Where do they go from here? How do they solve this massive quarterback issue they have? I was thinking, uh, like you're saying, pick a pick a quarterback, somebody like Zach Wilson, somebody like that. But maybe Deshaun Watson is the future in New England. What do you think of that? Well, they've also got salary cap problems. Yeah, they got salary cap problems, but. Like I, I don't, I don't think Cam Newton's a guy because he's just so inaccurate. But the problem with him is, from what I understand, he's he doesn't really have anybody to throw to anymore, either. And like Stidham and Hoyer aren't really doing that well. So I mean, that's just the, that's the big question mark. If they can get a quarterback, then and then they can get guys to throw it throw throw to, then they could do a lot better. Well, that even if New England had a semi-functional running game, they would have been able to do something and alleviate some pressure on Cam. They just didn't do it. Uh, to me, the answer in the perfect quarterback for Bill Belichick's system is Mac Jones. They pick at 15. I think it's too high to pick him, and Belichick has a history of not reaching for dudes, but he fits Bill Belichick's system perfectly. I, To me, if I'm Belichick and I'm at 15 and Mac Jones is there, I'm trading down to 22 and hoping he falls and taking him there. I'd probably say uh, I was actually struggling with this one uh, for a while, though. I didn't want to keep it, you know, local. And I would have been I would have been saying, you know, the Heat making the NBA finals or the Marlins making the playoffs or something like that. But um, kind of wanted to keep it out of the Miami area. I'd probably say that. My biggest surprise that I wasn't really counting on was going to be the Steelers starting 11-0 with Ben Roethlisberger coming back. We had no idea what he was going to look like coming in 
to this year and, you know, a weird year for everybody. But so giant surprise to start 11 and 0, maybe an even bigger surprise to finish 1 and 4 to end out the year to go 12 and 4, you know, overall. So I'd probably say that's mine. Yeah, that's a great one. And Big Ben was going to be the runaway comeback player of the year, which leads into my biggest surprise. And that's everything to do with the Washington football team. You know, from hiring a new GM, new head coach, to the name change, to cutting Dwayne Haskins, to Alex Smith's remarkable comeback campaign. They got a name the comeback player of the year award after him now. And then them making the playoffs. This, to me, has to be the most surprising season in the NFL that I can ever remember in 32 years. It's it's unreal what they've accomplished. Uh, just hats off to those guys. Spot on. Yep. I think for I think you guys kind of summed up what I was thinking for the um, for for NFL. Uh, I guess from when it comes to biggest surprise of 2020. Just like how how well I, I thought it was how well Arkansas. Or if we talk about college football, I think how well Arkansas started. And I did say Sam Pittman was coach of the I, I thought of the year, but then they kind of fell off a cliff at the end. I mean, maybe you know for a bunch of different factors. So maybe that was a little bit premature. I'd say Hugh Freeze, how he was able to go like you know two and one against ACC teams. I mean, besides you know their terrible bowl uh, record, it's just it's sort of sort of crazy how he was able to do that. And then he only lost by one point against NC State. I think that was, you know, a big, big up there. I mean, he didn't, he didn't win the coach of the year, but God, I mean, if I, if I was a voter, I might have voted him. And then, you know, just how well, I think what was also surprising was how well Alabama, you know, people were saying, oh, they might have fall off, whatever, but they're actually better this year than they were last year from, from what I've read. Uh, so, I mean, some of those are surprising. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm picking for, for when it comes to those kind of sports. Okay. And then I think just to round everything up, Bo, you want to lead us into your, uh, into the next question about what can be corrected. In tw- sure. In yeah. So, yeah. So, so the idea here, new year's resolutions, um, again, pretty open-ended, but you know, who, who or what did, uh, something awful in 2020 or just wasn't at the top of their game in 2020 that can be corrected in the new year. Um, for me, I wanted to, to say the old Miss defense, uh, I, but there was a lot, you know, that I think was positive in that game against Indiana. I think they uh, have a lot of potential to be something awful in 2020 that improves a lot in 2021. But what I really wanted to say was more around the MLB just as a league. Um, we talked a little bit last week about how poorly the MLB handled the pandemic, uh, maybe relative to like the NFL or the uh, NBA or NHL. But ultimately, to me, it's the MLB for a few years now has had this issue of just being unexciting. I don't think and, and not adapting well to making it more exciting and more even they haven't missed the boat on using this pandemic as a tool. Uh, and I know it's terrible, but it's, you know, it's an opportunity for them, I think, to make some changes to positively affect the league. They tried some different stuff, uh, over their pandemic response. They increased the playoff field. They, uh, 
put runners at second in extra innings. They used a universal DH, all those sorts of things. I hope that they continue to try to experiment. I don't think all those experiments are positives. Rob, you and I can probably talk for days about why we don't want a universal DH. Uh, But ultimately, (laughs) ultimately, like, you know, experimenting a little bit uh, and trying to figure out ways to make the league a little more even. I think those are things that they should be doing. I hope they do a lot more of it in 2021. And uh, hopefully we can maybe start diving more into that sort of stuff in the coming weeks as well as we move on past football season. And, uh, you know, there was a big, big Mets trade earlier today with the Indians. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. Maybe we talk about that next week, but I'm looking for MLB to get a lot more interesting in 2021. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great pick. MLB definitely had a rough year and really, uh, really getting to some of the fans there and not the right way. I know, I know, I'm pretty upset with Rob Manfred in the league as a whole right now. But you know, like they say, you're not going to alienate baseball fans like us. It's not like we're not going to watch baseball. For mine, uh, I have a, I have a simple and. You know, kind of humorous one that I, I settled on, but you know, I had to go through my mind a few times too. Um, you know, I could have said something like the Jets, but uh, I, I really don't think that's an attainable goal for them to complete a New Year's resolution. Um, so I, I couldn't, in my right mind, pick that. Uh, could have said something about like uh, the Houston Astros organization. We all. We all forget that you know spring training did start up as usual back in you know late February, early March before this whole thing really hit, and you know opposing fans or fans that weren't even involved with either team playing in whoever the Astros were playing that day would come in to the stadium just to boo the Astros. So it could have been a I could say it would possibly be a you know jump back year for the Astros as an organization, but really I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. I don't really know what James Harden did at the end of last year, but whatever he, but whatever he did, he needs to stop doing it and he needs to lose some weight. He needs to get on a new team. He needs to cut the COVID pounds. That's it. Short and simple. James Harden, stop being so fat and get out of Houston. I think both of those are attainable. Dude, he's, he's spending time in Atlanta at Magic City with those really good lemon pepper wings. I mean, he, woof. Yeah, Maybe that's, that's a, it. That's a good one. Maybe that's it's it. If, if he can't go to strip clubs, maybe it's killing him. Like he's just rotting from the inside. Maybe it's, maybe it's the lack of chicken wings, strip club wings, and, you know, we all... It's God, the NBA. Stress yeah. bloating. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, but you know what? Rule one on this podcast is that it ain't mean if it's true. Uh, so, T-Rob, you're right on with that. Uh, to me, you know, I, I'm going to leave the Homer picks to Matt, although Auburn recruiting was a big one for me. Uh, this was a no-doubter for me, and that was the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals have to do a better job protecting Joe Burrow. What they did to him was absolutely appalling. You've got a hometown kid coming off the best college season in history. 
and you put a swinging door in front of it in front of him at offensive line, and now you have to wonder what he's going to look like when the next season rolls around. You know, does this involve moving up to two or three in a trade with the Jets or the Dolphins to get Sewell out of Oregon, who's six three three thirty? bookend generational left tackle by all accounts right now um maybe if not and that's what i would try to do if they don't try to do that they absolutely need to invest in free agency and multiple draft picks to shore up that front five forget the offensive weapons on the outside you're going to keep tyler boyd no matter what they say you're going to have a decent enough running game when everybody comes back. You're losing A.J. Green. But if you don't keep Joe Burrow vertical and on the field, you have no shot. So Cincinnati Bengals, protect your franchise quarterback. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. I was thinking that one for the uh, NFL. I guess for the homer pick, I would say Bo Nix has just got to get better. I mean, we got to have – I mean, I think Harston as well as, you know, Mike Bobo could do a lot better in developing quarterbacks, which has just been – Awful. I mean, except since like Nick Marshall, um, they got uh, what's his name that they call him Thick Marshall, Demetrius Davis, that four star that's supposed to be coming in this next year. I mean, if, if Bo Nix doesn't have a good off season, then they're gonna probably because it's just like borderline pathetic what he's doing. He's just like scrambling. He's not actually staying in the pocket. So I would say Bo Nix has to get better, and I would say that the offense has to get a shitload better for Auburn. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will definitely see what happens indeed. It's 2021, and we are off to a pretty interesting start across sports, across the country, across the world. We'll see what other types of hell we can raise and come up with and what will happen for the rest of the year. But, yeah, that's about it for us today. Guys, any any closing thoughts? I think I'm pretty good. 2021, any fans out there got food and beer interested in hosting? Alex you started could, off the show with it, but we'll be there. Alex could possibly be fresh off the cocoa, so he'll be he'll be safe to go. He might have those antibodies in him for a while, so he can go wherever. We're, <laughs> we're right. very excited to see the results of your test and talk about that next week, Alex. Yeah, no, wear your masks. It's my takeaway from this. Even though I wore mine, it didn't help. Then maybe What's wrong with the other guy? Then maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, do it anyway. <laughs> I see Bo just <laughs> in the corner. Ooh. <laughs> uh, what Please a great, don't make me laugh. What a great way to end it. A COVID joke with Alex coughing. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see how your test results come back. You might have to worry more if you don't have it, because then you don't yeah, know what you've got. If this isn't it, oh man, mm. there's something else out there to be afraid of. Right. Well, you are down in Florida, right? I mean, they, oh yeah, there's a lot of shit down there. Yeah, but most of it not contractable by you know face to face contact. It's usually uh, other parts of the body that transmit things down here, or like deadly, deadly mosquitoes or just like oh, yeah. stray needles. Maybe that's what I have. West Nile. Who knows? Whew. Gator attacks, meth. We got it all. Sunshine. But <laughs> sunshine. sunshine. Wasps in football stadiums. 
Oh, yeah, and football stadiums filled with bats. True bats, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anything can get you. But on that note, we will check back in on Alex next week and report back to everybody. But other than that, happy 2021 to everybody out there, and we will talk to you next week.